Welcome to the All About Setwork podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things setwork, technical training tips, a behind-the-scenes look at what your instructor or trial official may be going through, and much more. This is a very special episode, <laughs> as it's going to be the first one in a series of episodes. We're going to be talking with participants who are participating in cyber setwork. So our very first episode, we're going to be talking with Lisa, as she's talking about how she went through cyber setwork with her dog, Rickon. Very excited about this. <laughs> But before we start diving into the podcast episode itself, let me do a very quick introduction of myself. My name is Diana Sejos. I'm the owner and lead instructor for Setwork University, Dogsport University, and Pet Dog U. These are online dog training platforms that are designed to help you achieve your setwork training goals, regardless of where you are in your sniffing journey. So if you're just getting started, you're looking to develop some more advanced skills, or if you are looking to prepare for trial, we have a training solution for you. But now that you know a little bit more about me, let's dive into the podcast episode itself. So the reason I wanted to start this series is that CyberSetwork is officially one year old, and I'm very excited about that. For those who don't know, <laughs> I'm the president of CyberSetwork, and I co-founded it with my partner, Sean McMurray, in order to do a number of different things. We wanted to have something that would allow people to better prepare if they wanted to do in-person training. We wanted to have something for people who may not have any local either training or trialing opportunities near them where they can still play the game and they can earn pretty ribbons and titles. That's always fun. And the other big thing that I wanted to do was to provide an outlet for dogs or handlers who may not have the option of either training or trialing in person. And that could be for a whole slew of reasons, right? It could be just location. It could be that maybe the person doesn't particularly like to do those things. It could also be the dog, right? That the dog just wouldn't do as well in those kinds of situations. And over my career, I have been very bothered by the fact that particularly when you're talking about the sports side of set work, where you're talking about people who want to trial and so on and so forth, that there's almost this push to try to have everyone who's involved in set work to go to in-person trials. And that's not always the best thing for the dog. There are lots of my clients over the years who did wonderful with work. They were amazing sniffers. But it would be not in their best interest to actually do those things in person. Very long-winded way of saying, I saw all these things, they were bothering me, so I was like, I'll just make a business <laughs> so that we can address these things. And that's how CyberSetwork came to be. So this episode is going to be the first of a series where we're going to be talking with people who've actually gone through Cyber Network to hear their experience, why they got involved, what they got out of it, but also just to hear what their stories are. Completely separate from Cyber Network altogether. I just want to get to know these people. I want to know a little bit more about their dogs because we were fortunate enough through Cyber Network to see their videos. <laughs> and that brings us to our very first guest. And that is Lisa. And she is going to be talking to us about herself and her dog, Rickett. And this is an absolutely superb team. So I'm not going to take up any more time. <laughs> so let's have a listen to that conversation. Did you want to give us a little bit of a background about how you brought your boy into your life and how you all started in maybe set work? Okay, sure. So I am a volunteer at a local shelter in the area. And I started really doing a lot of volunteering with enrichment and play groups. That's where I started. And that's where I met Rickon. I met him when he was 11 months old. He was adopted out to a family that decided that, that he, he wasn't a family dog and they weren't able to care for him. So he was returned and he came back a fearful dog. He went out a confident puppy, but came back a fearful pup. He spent about two and a half years at the shelter 
And uh, during that two and a half years, I worked with him a lot with enrichment playgroups, decided uh, after a few months that I'd like to adopt him and the staff and volunteers helped us do that after about a year of meet and greets with my dog and my husband, because Rick's afraid of humans, he loves dogs, but um, it took a while for him to take to my husband and now they're best friends. That's awesome. And I really want to tip my hat to you for going through that whole process. And particularly, you know, having been in the shelter world a very short period of time myself, it's very hard when you're working with a dog or a puppy and you're seeing them grow and seeing them blossom and like, okay, well now you're going off and then they come back and you're like, oh no. (laughs) And for you to actually go through all of that and work with him and still say, you know what, I have this connection with this dog. And I'm going to do what I need to do to help him integrate into my family and all those steps that you took. You should really pat yourselves on the back for that because that's a lot of work and it's not easy. So I just really hope that everyone listening to this podcast, if you have been lucky enough to have a dog that's just super stable and everything is great and everything is wonderful and they love everyone, please understand that you're lucky (laughs) and that the people who actually have dogs who are sensitive and that really are a lot of dogs. It is very hard on the people because there's so many adjustments that you have to make. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was that you now know that he is a sensitive boy, that you had to go through all this stuff to get him used to your husband and all this time later, they are now best friends and that all took work. So what were some of the things that you noticed about him that was he, he was fearful about as far as the world was concerned? So he is environmentally fearful of things in his environment that he's never seen before. So we could be walking and maybe there's a clump of grass and he'd be like, oh, that looks funny. So he would go over with that long body and sniff it and be like, okay, all right, I, I'm okay. And then be able to move on. His reactive fear was towards people. So he has a not, not now, but whenever we first met, he had a very short threshold. He could not be near people close at all. We were, we're talking, we needed about 25, 30 feet. If it was somebody he's never met before, he'd be barky, lungy at the end of the leash. And once he's there, there was no getting him back mentally. We had to move away physically. So think how that looks, all right? I got a scary pit bull type dog lunging, barking at a person. And as soon as we get away from him, then he's his goofy self again. Oh, no problem, now I'm away. So we had to work very hard at, it's okay to have a reaction, but let's recover a little more quickly. Let us not worry about staring at what's making us scared. Let's get our nose to the ground. Let's find it, let's sniff, let's, sniff Hansel and Gretel style away <laughs> what is not so wonderful to stare at. So that is where I noticed his ability to be confident was if he could be sniffing and not staring or at least have his head down and not staring. So that's kind of where scent work came from as well. I was very lucky to work with a volunteer who's also a dog trainer who is very into nose work. And she taught me a lot about nose work. And I'm actually now an instructor at that shelter that I work at, that I volunteer at. So volunteer there. And now I'm also a a dog training instructor for for dog classes. And one of the classes I do do is nose work for fun. And through learning from this other 
trainer and instructor, I was like, there's a way to do nose work that isn't just throw food in the ground and find it, throw food in the ground and find it. We can do something systematically. We can do something that is a way to focus sniffing, give sniffing a purpose per se. And Rick does really well if you give him a job or a task. So I was like, well, let's give it a go. And we did. And here we are <laughs> still sniffing. That was probably 2019 if I'm not gonna, if I'm gonna guess. So we, oh. we don't do sniffing every day or, you know, but we consistently do some type of sniffing activity, be it just a, a treat scatter or a find it. Or every once in a while, I've, we do some indication exercises that are nice and quick. We do some setup searches where he gets to go and, and use his nose. So we, we have found a way to integrate scent work as part of his confidence boosting and behavior modification. That's amazing. Oh, that is just, I love hearing everything about that. That's just incredible. Everything from how you were able to find this activity to how you were able to work with the volunteer to where now you, that you're an instructor with the shelter and all good things. <laughs> that is just fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, and it's been such an incredible amount of work on your end, right? To be able to recognize, I, again, for the people who may have never had these kinds of experiences, to be on the other end of a leash of a dog who's reacting is a traumatic experience for the person on the other end of the leash. Again, we have to remember from a biological standpoint, they used to eat us. So when they're doing all the barking and the lunging, whatever else, there's a fear response from us as well. And there's also the social pressure where you're now, particularly if your dog is reacting towards people, and you also have a pity-like dog. I used to have Dobermans and same kind of thing. It's like, oh my God, you know, who's someone going to call the cops? <laughs> like, it's just a whole big thing. So I really want to give you a lot of kudos for all the amount of work and the time that you've put in to help your boy find a way to exactly what you said, to be able to think again, where he's out of that reactive space and he can actually focus his attention on something such as sniffing. And that can boost his confidence to realize, I don't need to worry about the environment. I don't need to worry about that person over there. I have cookies to find. And there's just a biological thing that happens with dogs when they get their head down and they sniff, it calms them down. So it's such a wonderful, powerful thing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start Cyber Scent Work was to help people who do have reactive or sensitive dogs to highlight that. Again, I do the ribbon thing because I, I like, you know, people want carrots and fine, great, but I want you just doing the sniffing. <laughs> so it's a wonderful way to really highlight that even if you never wanted to earn a title with us, even if you never, you only wanted to submit one video, or if you don't want to submit any videos, you just want to go through the rules and do a setup on your own, that this activity can help you and your dogs. Just doing the sniffing can help. That's all we care about is more sniffing. And that's why I love everything that you do with your boy, because not only are you doing stuff with us, but the fact that you're posting it. And then there was one photo that you posted where there's all these other little ribbons and things you've been doing with other virtual uh, organizations, which I think are just fantastic. And the fact that you don't have to try to push yourselves to do something at an in-person trial. So could you maybe talk about that for a second, whether or not there was ever a consideration for yourself as you were learning more about Setwork and Nose Work? and that there were trials and things. Was there something that crossed your mind as far as something that you wanted to do? So we actually did do league work. So I, uh, I through that, well, through the shelter, we offer a league through 
a uh, scent organization. And I was asked to bring Rick in to be a part of it because we knew he could sniff. So the considerations are, can Rickon be friends with the judges? Because that's a person and the judge has to be in the area to at least watch what's going on. Can Rickon be friends with the timer? We have to have those two people in, in the room. So something about Rick, when he loves you, he loves you. <laughs> and so he made friends with the judges and made friends with the timer. And then we couldn't sniff because we were so excited to see our friend. We did get through four or five searches and we did qualify in those searches. And then we came around again and they're like, do you want to bring Rick in to do more sniffing in this lead trial situation? And I said, I think he's more of a distraction. He wants to see his friends, human and dog, and he doesn't have once he's in that it's the same thing so whenever he's reacting he's in this mindset of i'm reacting i'm reacting reacting oh friend 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 so it's the same thing but on the opposite he is extreme right so he's going 150 percent. i see friends i can't do anything else so i was like i don't think it's i don't think it's fun for him and it's not fun for me to be constantly like can you can you concentrate? We're here to sniff. We're not here to socialize. And then I said to myself, this is huge for my reactive dog who does, who's afraid of people to want to see people. So the leagues were more about him having a win at being around. I mean, and wasn't just making friends with the judge and the timer. There was 10, 15, 20 people in the parking lot. And we could still be in that space without reacting. So league and sniffing in that sense of trial, of trial setup became more about Rick is surviving and thriving socially, but that's not what we're there for. So it's not fair to everyone else, him trying to go up and say hi when they're focusing, getting ready to go do their search. So yes, we tried it. Yes, we were successful in getting ribbons. I don't think, I didn't feel that we were successful as a team to in, uh, enjoying what the process should be. It was more of a, come on, let's do this. You're here to sniff. And it shouldn't be that way. You should be going into the search area going, are you ready to sniff? Let's go. And you both want to go do it. And not that he didn't want to do it. He just had different priorities. So Cyber Network was able to give us a priority, an outlet to be able to say, there's nothing else here. You're comfortable with me. My assistant was my husband. You're comfortable with him. You can ignore him. So nothing else to do, but sniff. So it's sniff. That's amazing. And your videos have really helped because uh, you've posted a few of them as examples and people have been like, what is she doing with that little tube thing in order to reward him? Like it's, it's such a sharing moment to be able to see like, I could maybe use that tool. That looks really fun. So could you actually talk about that for a second? Because people like it blew people's minds when they saw it. <laughs> so it's a little squeeze too. This is something I learned from one of my, my first job uh, working at a training center. The trainer there used squeeze tubes, food tubes. She got them from a dollar store. They're a little silicone containers that you can put food in and you can ball them up in your hand. 
I don't have a ton of dexterity for the little containers. So I found little shampoo travel containers, works the same for me. So I would fill that with food that has a good viscosity because you don't want to flip open the lid like a shampoo container and that little hole, you don't want your food just dripping out. So you have to have something with a little bit of viscosity. So baby food didn't work for us. So I was like, what else? Peanut butter, peanut butter works great but I use peanut butter to give him his medication. Not that he doesn't enjoy it, but not as special, right? So then we tried mashed potatoes and then we tried mashed bananas and they were just not as rewarding. So I was like, you know what, squeeze cheese, just put a little squeeze cheese in there. It comes in a big container, a big canister. And I was like, I can't carry that around. So I just squeeze it in my own little squeeze tube. And, my, and that works wonderfully for us. So I can carry that. It doesn't drip anywhere. I can even have the lid off of it. So it's ready to go. And as soon as he alerts, I can call it quickly and get in quickly. And I don't have to worry about my mechanics of rewarding. Because again, Rick's a kind of a strong dog and he can pull me if he wants to pull me. So what if he decides he wants to go sniff and what I'm rewarding him with as far as food, what if I'm using chicken or what if I'm using jerky or something and he starts moving on to the next hide, I can easily drop that. Even if I were to drop my tube, yes, it's, that's a, it's not, not, still not a good thing, but if I drop that tube, no food is going anywhere. So I'm not gonna contaminate the area. So it just makes things a lot easier and it's easier for me to get my timing reward for five, six seconds if I want to. I don't have to keep going boom, boom, like a cup a cup of food in my hand and keep right. hoping that I'm going to make aim. Please <laughs> right in his mouth. <laughs> and that's a very good point is it is a dexterity thing. It's a, it's a mechanical skill to be able to do that jackpot that we give bonus points for. And definitely there are people who've never done a jackpot before. And they're like, how do I do this? You want me to hold on to a long line and do all this and then do a jackpot and not drop anything but then I put in the dog's face and it falls out of their jowl and oh. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I mean, and it's something that we still work on. I'm not saying I don't work on it, but for ease of delivery, I'm going to use what works and that works for us. And it's high value for him. It's perfect. So as far as the type of feedback that you've received for the videos that you've submitted so far with Cypress Network, were they helpful? Did they give you any ideas of things to do differently? Or you were like, oh yeah, they were okay. <laughs> So I will say what's interesting about the feedback is because you get different, I'm sorry, I think you use, I think you guys say evaluators, but whatever, evaluators, judges, whatever, the feedback that you're getting, you're getting from different people. So sometimes it was interesting in that one evaluator would say, I would like to see this. And then you would do that. And then a different evaluator would see it and be like, I'd like you to do it this way. And I'd like you to do it this way. And I was like, that's, but what's nice about that is that you can then pick what works best for you. Right. And all of the feedback has been very helpful in helping me design setups better, helping me learn how to use my leash because that was a big one. I think I got a lot of feedback on that is on how to use my leash because I, I prefer to run him off leash, it's just easier. Right. <laughs> I have to hold on to, but you can't do that all the time. And you have a reactive dog. You definitely can't do that. You do need to be able to get, you have your dog on leash. So getting those leash activities, uh, confidence boosting ones. I got a lot of uh, ideas for, he doesn't like water. Use that 
use water to your advantage with him, with him searching. Put a hide in a puddle. He has to at least get near it. So confidence boosting, problem solving. Uh, it helped me a lot to think about his tendencies to go left or right. So if I'm at the start line, if he's mostly, if he usually goes to the left, I can be ready for that. So I'm not pulled to the left. I can also be ready. Are you ready? And I can also, not that I can't see the hides, but you can still kind of start to calculate. All right. If he usually goes to the left, there's 10 containers to my left. We, now I can have a systematic way of hitting each container. So I always appreciated all of the feedback and found it to be thoughtful and the people writing it, you can tell they were taking time. You knew they were watching your videos and not just giving you a copy paste to everybody. Thing that they've been telling, you know, they're not telling everyone the same thing. They're actually looking at your video and going, because I see this, I'm gonna suggest this. And it was personal and it made you feel like, and, every, and let me say, sometimes not every feedback was something you wanted to hear, because that's the truth. You should get both positives and some negatives with all feedback, but you knew it was from a caring standpoint. We want you to do better. It may not have been a great idea for you to do this, try it this way instead. Mm -hmm. So it was always, it was never, you're not doing it right. Don't do it this way. It was I think you would do better if you did it this way. It would help you if you tried it this way. So it never made you feel like what you were doing was wrong or bad or incorrect, but it was ways to make you feel more confident in what you were doing too. That's great. I love hearing that. Thank you. <laughs> you are a bad waiter for a few of our entries as well. <laughs> And I just know that all of our, our review officials, exactly like what you said, is because we're all instructors as well, not only are they trial officials, but they're also instructors, is we want to make certain that we're giving advice that people can take to heart that's going to be helpful for themselves and their dogs. And for myself personally, whenever I'm doing training or instructing, I want to help my clients basically become trainers at the end of the day. I want to get to a point where they don't need me, where you know they may go off on their own and if they want to do this professionally, I will be there to help you. <laughs> but even if you just want to do it with your dog, I want you to feel confident enough to do that. So I really love hearing that. Thank you. <laughs> it just makes me feel it's like, okay, we're on the right path. Good. <laughs> I mean, I would be looking for, I, I mean, and the other thing is you guarantee you're going to get it within 14 days. And I would be looking forward to, I would check my email a lot. Not that I was forcing or, or you know, like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. I was doing that because I was excited to see what our feedback was and how we did and what you guys thought how we were doing. So yeah, it was, it's exciting and it's nice. I think that as a person who is that person who or places an order on Amazon and then checks the tracking constantly, it is nice to know you are getting it in 14 days. Right. So don't, <laughs> don't worry. It will be, and it always came within those 14 days. So we never had to be like, <laughs> coming. the positive reinforcement is coming. <laughs> And that's awesome. So I actually wanted, you are our first guest that we're having on for this new series that we're doing for our podcast where we're talking with uh, clients of Cypress Network because I wanted to, first of all, I want to hear from all of you. I want to see, you know, what your takes were. I want to get more stories about yourselves and your dogs and your backgrounds and everything else. 
And I also wanted to be able to give you some feedback from us, from our end. So your story with Rick, we loved watching all of your videos, the absolute bond that you have with him, the fact that he's just so flippin' adorable with every single search that he does. It is, it's so hard sometimes because you just get lost watching the video and I'm just cooing and ooing and eyeing. I'm like, oh, I'm not scoring and I'm not taking it. I'm just watching them. So I'd have to watch it again. <laughs> and it's just, I just hope that you realize that from our standpoint, you're giving us a gift by sharing your relationship of your dog with us. And that is something that we do not take for granted at all. That giving us that glimpse into everything that you're doing with him, knowing from our, like particularly with my experience with working with reactive and aggressive and fearful dogs, I know or I can at least have a, an idea of the kind of thing that you've been dealing with and how far you both have come just in the videos that you submitted to us, not to mention all the other work that you've done that you've been talking about is so incredibly impressive and that you trust us with that is incredible. So that's why I wanted to have these conversations with people like yourself to say, thank you, <laughs> that we are so incredibly thankful for what you do. Well, thank you for enjoying Rick because I do. And it, I'm going to be honest, it, it didn't happen overnight. I love him, but it took a long time to have that relationship and working relationship and a relationship where I can feel confident with him and he can trust me. So it's very heartwarming that you guys could see that just in a three minute video. Oh yeah. It, it comes through in like technicolor. It is just so clear the relationship the two of you have and the way that he would just light up, he's like, oh, geez, just like, <laughs> and also, it's not, he she, it's not that she called alert, it's because I'm <laughs> <laughs> But he would also be so proud of himself. Like I can remember for the deck search where he was working out some of those hides outside, particularly for those really tight spaces and things. He was just so damn proud of himself. He's like, oh, I did it. Like, and that's, that's what I live for are those moments. And then your joy, your pride. Oh God, I just love it. I love it so much. So thank you. <laughs> he's fun to be with for sure. He's a, he's laying on the floor right now with me because heaven forbid, you know, I'm too far away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so was there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners as far as your journey or about the things you're going to be doing in the future, set work or otherwise? Or any other little tidbits that you'd like to share with other dog owners who may not be doing set work yet, or may have a dog who is sensitive or reactive, and they're like, oh, I don't know, I just feel so out of place. Is there anything that you wanted to share with our listeners at all? So I will hit on the reactive part. I want people to know just because you have a reactive dog doesn't mean they can't do things. And I do understand the worry of having a reactive dog and feeling embarrassed having a reactive dog. Not only does Rick bark and lunge, but when he really loves someone, his reactivity is the opposite end, like I said, and he screams at the top of his lungs. Anyone who knows a pity might know that pity scream. It's still, it's, it's embarrassing and it's scary to other people, but I have learned that that is him expressing his excitement for something. So I've learned that I need to embrace that but still move away and get us space. If there's anything I can stress for reactive dog owners is just get your dog space, get yourself space and take a deep breath. You don't have to force your dog to do anything they don't want to do. 
and have fun with them in any way that you can. And a great way to do that is scent work. I, again, I mentioned that I do teach some basic level um, scent work at the shelter that I work at. And I see a lot of Shire dogs come in. So week one, we can't even go up to a container. Week four, we can't keep them in their seat. They <laughs> want to get to that container. So if you are having quote unquote uh, embarrassment issues with your reactive or shy or fearful dog, see what they're comfortable maybe putting their head in or towards. Put a couple low level boxes out or little containers and put some food in it that they enjoy and then step back. Don't put any pressure on them and just see what they are going to do. Not putting pressure on your dog really gives your relationship a huge boost because you're not forcing them to do something they don't want to do. Scent work is dog driven. They have the nose, not you. So you're there to support them. So do that. Let them lead the way and you can go, oh my gosh, my dog's amazing. And then you can start having a fun with them. I actually have a binder of all of Rick's certificates and it's called Rick the Remarkable. He is my remarkable dog. And I want people to, to know that you're reactive, shy, fearful, quote unquote, abnormal, not perfect dog is perfect. If you want to accept who they are. That's amazing. And I think that's a wonderful note to end on. I really want to thank you so much for taking the time for talking with me. And I hope that we're able to see more wonderful things with you and Rick. And he is absolutely remarkable. And that's thanks to you. <laughs> thank you very much for asking me to be on the show. I'm super excited and I can't wait to do more. We do plan to do more. We're just taking a little break right now, but we've got, we've got things, we've got sniffing to do. I'm going to keep <laughs> So I hope you're able to just hear <laughs> how wonderful of a relationship Lisa has with Rickon. And again, having a dog who has any kind of sensitivities or has any kind of special needs, that is very trying for the handler. And Lisa rose to that occasion, right? She figured out what her boy needed and she was able to do the things for him that help him be successful while also stretching him, you know, really pushing that envelope in order to broaden his horizons while still recognizing who he is, right? Not trying to make him into something else, but rather embracing all of his awesomeness. And he is absolutely precious. <laughs> He's got the most adorable little face. And at the very end of our conversation for this episode, she actually you know, brought the camera down and let me see him as he was laying on the floor. I was like, oh, look at his little pig ears. <laughs> He's just a precious boy. But again, I, I hope that you can tell from listening to this podcast that to me, this is what set work should be all about. It should be exemplifying and magnifying the relationship that people have with their dogs. And titles and ribbons are great, but they're not going to be able to encapsulate all of the wonderfulness that Lisa has allowed through really recognizing who her dog is and the deepening of that relationship. And I really truly mean it that everyone who had the privilege and the honor to watch her videos can see it. And it makes us as professionals I think better instructors and better trial officials and just better dog owners to be able to see other people and the kinds of things that they do with their dogs. It's just amazing. 
<laughs> so I'm looking forward to having more of these conversations with more participants of Cyber Network. And I sincerely want to thank Lisa for being our inaugural guest. <laughs> and again, for sharing her wonderful boy with us. But as always, I want to hear from all of you. What did you think about this episode? Did you have any questions? Did you have any questions about Cyber Network? Always happy to answer any questions that you may have. If there are other topics that you are interested in, please make sure that you let me know. I want to make sure that we're offering the types of topics that you're interested in for this podcast. We are also going to be continuing our spotlight series, and that's where we're speaking with individuals and businesses that are giving back to the separate community. And we're also going to be doing some more roundtable discussions with our instructors about a whole range of topics. We're also going to be bringing in some outside speakers as well. So it's going to be busy, busy, busy. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it helpful. Happy training. We look forward to seeing you soon.